thank you for tuning in to the Worship Chat. I'm John. And I'm Eliza. Eliza, how has your week been? And it's been good. It's been good? It has. Yep, good Valentine's Day. I saw a picture of you and Pippin. Yes, I had a great Valentine's Day, came to work, then I treated myself and got a Poke Bowl. If you don't know what a Poke Bowl is, it's amazing. Um, it's like... Okay, what's a Poke Bowl? Okay, it's basically sushi without being sushi, but it's in a bowl. Like a deconstructed sushi in a bowl. Deconstructed sushi. So sushi is raw fish. Raw fish, rice, seaweed, and then like you may have like avocado or salmon, crab, or like shrimp or something in it. So like my favorite thing, or it may have like cucumbers in it, whatever, but it's always got the sticky rice and like um, seaweed. So what I get in my poke bowl is brown rice, then um, the large, I got the large bowl because you know, Valentine's Day treat myself. Yeah. And that's three protein. I got crab salad, um, scallops, and salmon. Normally I get shrimp, but they didn't have any shrimp, so I had um, scallops. Now, where does this happen at? Is this something you go to the grocery store and buy, or you go to a restaurant? Oh, no. Uh, it's a restaurant. At, so, like, here in Columbus, we have a place called Banks Food Hall. Okay. And they have, like, multiple restaurants that you can sit. And so there's Pokey Sun, which is, like, my favorite Pokey Bowl place. All right. And then, like, I got, like... Um, cucumber, seaweed salad, sweet corn, lettuce, all that, and then yum yum sauce. It was so good. Yum yum sauce. You're killing so me. Good. All right. For us non sushi eaters, okay, mm -hmm. is it really raw fish? I guess. I don't know. Because I, I heard some sushi is cooked a little bit. Yeah, some of it's cooked a little bit. It's and then not there's all. like tempura as well, which is um, fried. So say that again. What is it called? Tempura is fried. Tim, pure. Tempura. Okay. It's fried sushi. All right. But yeah, I could literally go to Pokey Sun. That's the name of the Pokeball place. Like every day. <laughs> you just say Pokeball. I know. I Pokemon. Me. Pokemon. All right. <laughs> <laughs> I'll like be in line, and in my head, I'll be a Pokey Pokeball. Gotta catch them all. Uh, oh my! Oh my goodness! <laughs> all right. So we've totally lost it here on the worship chat. Now listen. Now we have, uh, man, I'm excited. We're going into our, our week of revival. This has been, uh, I wanted to have it in January because, you know, it starts getting February and things just start starting up. I know we have soccer people playing, softball, I think, is, is, is kicking off. And so there's a lot that's starting, And uh, but I want, uh, I'm looking forward to our revival. We're having evangelist John Reed come in. He is out of Duluth, Georgia, and I'm just excited to to see what God does. I had a good prayer meeting last night. Uh, but kind of like a, a preface to this, revival is God's people from, God's people getting back to where they need to be. God's people uh, remembering what it was like when they first got saved. God's people renewing that relationship and that promise and that commitment to live for Him. And there's one person, there's, oh, I hate to call him a person, there's one entity that does not like that, and that's Satan. Yeah. He, uh, it's, it, you're going to see a spiritual attack to try to do something to keep this uh, revival yeah. from happening. Man, spiritual warfare has been strong. Yes. In like the past week. <laughs> yeah, I'd like to really use a bad, you know, 
uh, Star Wars analogy here. The Force is strong in this one. It, it is very, you can, you can see it. And really, you can, it's, a, it's not just limited here, but just the, the vibe of the country right now. Yeah. They're very divisive, right? Mm -hmm. And so, I, I think, am I crazy? What, do you feel like we're kind of like a, a people on edge? Yeah. And, and so, thinking that way then, it doesn't take much for the devil just to, you know, push you in the wrong direction. And, I mean, personally, I mean, just for, like, total openness, I, I mean, I battle, like, anger, frustration, mm -hmm. and all of that stuff myself. Yeah. And so I know we're getting in what we're doing. You know, revival is not just extra meetings where we got to go to church. Yeah. It is, it's a time when we get serious with God and just remember that and renew that relationship again. Mm -hmm. Satan does not want that to happen. He will do what he will do what he can to go back old world, yeah. thwart that plan to keep it from happening, to right. keep you from from coming, and he'll give you every excuse in the book for you not to get revived. Right. Or for that to mean nothing. Like to you. And like you were saying, like I told you, like I feel like a month ago, like I feel like we're on the precipice of like something. I do too. I, I, I hate to use the analogy of like we're gazing into the promised land because mm -hmm. I don't know what's down there. I don't know what we're right. on the, but I feel like we're on the edge of something happening. Yeah. And I feel like this is the, the catalyst, the beginning, the, yeah. the thing that's going to. Yeah. And like, I've like felt frustration. Like I, um, you know, felt like I have like messed up, like a failure of like, just like everything, you know? Right. Um, of like, this didn't happen, I didn't get this done, or whatever, and I'm like, man, I, don't you just have days where you just feel like you failed, and like, that's right. where I was even yesterday. Uh, I was just thinking, I was thinking about that earlier, and I think this is your day of redemption here today, you've got to save a church member, you know, right. <laughs> with her phone, we had a church member get locked out of the house, uh, her phone went completely dead, she's trying to contact her son, but her phone's dead, and now she's, you know, yeah. <laughs> she's befuddled, and so you know that's just y'all know if you're if you're in ministry, you know exactly what I'm talking about. It's it's an interruption. It's a pleasant interruption, it really right. is. They're being able to serve. Like each day, like you may have like some days it's you know what you're doing. Right. Other days you come in and it's like, okay, God, what you got for me today? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You have days where the phone rings off the hook. You have days where the phone doesn't ring at all. You know, I'm saying it's just. It, it's it's a hodgepodge mm -hmm. of just everything, and this just, it's just a good sample. So I'm really glad you got a chance to to Me do too. that. That's, <laughs> I know my my son Nathan. You know he's working at Graphicom, and that's uh I saw our local Apple store here in Columbus, and he he was telling we were talking last night. He was saying you know I tried to you know uh, I I try to find something good to pull out the day because there's always something bad in the day, mm -hmm. right? Yeah, and that's a great attitude. Yeah, that is. Right? He's learning how customers, customer service is nothing more to getting to know people and dealing with people. That's all it is. Mm -hmm. And so, so today, just because we are in a season as a church uh, going into revival, we have an article. Uh, it's 
it's written back in 2020, but it's five ways to pray for your church family. Uh, it says 2020, but it's 2022. But it, it, these are five great things to do. Really, not just before, before revival, but how to, like it says, your church family. And a lot of times, uh, people don't come. Sometimes we don't go to church. Visitors don't come to church thinking, okay, I'm going to join a family. But right. that's what you should ha find yeah. when you get there. Yeah, and like if your church doesn't feel like a family, y'all need to be evaluating yeah. what's going on. And that might not be where you need to be. Right, exactly. <laughs> Alrighty, we ready to jump in? Yeah, let's do it. But number one, um, pray for a hunger for the Bible. If the goal of the church is Christ-likeness, then the diet of the church must be the Bible. After all, it is the Bible that God uses to make the child of God more like the Son of God. Therefore, we can pray that the church would be filled with people who hunger for hearing from God in their private devotions, public gatherings, and conversations with other believers. Imagine the impact of a church full of people who wake up eager to come and hear the word preached on Sunday morning. Imagine a church that longs to open the Bible each morning to discover anew the truth of God's character and conquest. Imagine hearts so overflowing with the Bible that their text messages, conversations, and meditations just drip with the Scripture. Everything pivots on what we do with the Bible. Our Father, and then um, here's a prayer. Our Father, give our church, give me a an abiding delight in your word. Cause me always to hunger for the truth while being ever satisfied with the truth. Lord, make our church a Bible-saturated church. I love that. Don't you love that that term, Bible saturated? I love that. I'm. We got to write that down. Yeah. Use it. Yeah, we've got to. We got to repeat that. Man, one of the things that I, I he did not say in here, but I was. I mean, I swear. I mean, it's the first verse that jumps to mind when you say hunger for the Bible. It's Matthew five six. Mm -hmm. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. And then it gives this little caveat: for they will be satisfied. So if you hunger and thirst for it, and I think you're doing that by even taking that step of faith and coming to revival, right? Yeah. You're you're showing that you you want want more. We there's a song on the on the radio. I think we've sung it. You know, I just want more. I just want more more of you, God. Mm -hmm. More of you, God. So I I think those people those people that seek more more of God, they find more of God. Yeah, absolutely. I'm excited about like like that part of it. And I'm really trying to, you know, I'm trying to take, go through this, come into this revival with, with a different intent. I think I've been focused on the preparation for hotel reservations, making sure the evangelist is coming, seeing what needs he has. And then just kind of, you know, getting sermons prepared that will prepare the congregation mm -hmm. for what's coming. Right. That I, I've kind of, I, I, Mary and Martha did. You mm. know, I, I've gotten so busy with the preparations for it that I'm missing the purpose for it. Yeah. And I'm part of that purpose. I'm just as much part of this church as anybody else mm -hmm. is, right? Yeah. So, man, I'm just I'm enjoying it. I'm I'm really I'm really ready, and I'm re I'm not ready for the church. And I've you know I've done that too. I fathered the church. You know, I'm saying, oh, I need these people need this. No, I need this. Yeah. I need this. So, so yeah, I'm a, I'm really digging into all of these all of these five uh, ideas. Yeah, because I think like I'm um, I don't know like I've spent time in like frustration of like 
uh, all this stuff has happened and we're not ready. Like nothing's ever going to change. Being like so like negative, yeah. I feel like because I'm seeing like everything um, and like, oh, they need it. They need it. And I yeah. was like, I need that, it. Yeah, that's, I think that's where you, where you get off because there's, there's times when you go, when you go out the doors after worship and jump into your cars, energized by what just happened. Mm-hmm. And there's times when you go jump in that vehicle, be honest with me, because I've done it, I bet you have too. They're just not getting it. Oh, yeah. You've said those words, they're just not getting it. Yeah. And and I think that that's the that's why we need revival. That's mm-hmm. the point uh, of having it. And you don't you know, you know, the old saying, you know, when you always point the finger, there's always like three pointing back at you. Uh we need to recognize that, that it's, you know, revival starts here. You know, the old yeah. saying, you know, draw a circle on the ground, jump in the circle and say, God, fill, bring revival to this circle. And, and so it all starts with us. And if we don't, if we don't get ready, how can we expect anybody else to? Exactly. Exactly. And like, we are the leaders of the church, you know? Oh, so yeah. We set the tone. We are... The leaders, you know? Yeah, not just us in the room. I mean, there are plenty of leaders in this church. Exactly. And we've just got to get a hold of, of what it means to have revival. And I think I see, and I think you do too, like a spark. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it's just a spark. It's uh, I feel like, it was it Elisha or Elijah that, that saw the, sent the servant out and all he saw was just a little cloud. Mm-hmm. And, and that was the spark. Of what was going to happen, so I see the I see the little cloud. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh goodness! All I'm, right, number two, pray for thankfulness. A thankful church should not be taken for granted, and an unthankful church should not be left alone. The Apostle Paul identifies being unthankful as a footprint of unbelief. While noting thankfulness as a mark of a believer, one way we can be praying for our churches is to plead with God that we would be thankful. But thankful for what? And thankful to whom? The Apostle shows us that the thankfulness we are after is God-centered and gospel wrought. In other words, we want to see churches enveloped by real joy in God because of what He has done for us in Christ. You see this in Colossians 1, as Paul himself in prison prays for a church full of people whom he has never met, and that they would understand the greatness of God and and joyfully respond to the gospel with thanksgiving to God. Colossians Oh, that's in Colossians 1, 9 through 14. And then here's a prayer. God, make us to be a church that is thankful to you and for you. May your worth and work captivate our hearts, minds, and wills so that circumstances are transcended by the fact that you are for us in Christ. That first verse that he mentions for Paul saying was Romans 1, 21. Mm -hmm. And that verse says this. It says, For even though they knew God, they did not honor him as God or give thanks, mm. but they became futile in their reasonings and their senseless hearts were darkened. Mm. I believe what I see in this verse, what I pull out of this, of that, is that what thankfulness does for us is this puts us in the right mindset of yeah. where our strength, where our hope, where our, our fountain is. Mm-hmm. And our fountain comes from God, and our hope comes from God, and our strength comes from God. And when we thank Him for something, we're recognizing that the something He just did was from Him. Right. And, and what they were doing, they were what became futile in their reasonings. They were giving, making up excuses 
for God's blessings and not giving him credit for what he he yeah. was doing or who he was. And I think we can get so we can like look around, we can become so ungrateful and we can start complaining oh, about yeah. things if we're not in the right mindset of thankfulness. Like, you know, we can um we can be upset about the sound or the right. um, the paint on the wall or <laughs> yeah. whatever instead of being thankful that we get a chance to go to church. Right. And not everything's perfect. I think we've gotten in the mindset of like everybody's got to be perfect. Yeah. And that's not true. Or like, you know, um, our building's not perfect. Our, you know, our leaders aren't perfect. And, and when we only look at that and we start complaining... We miss out on God's blessing and honestly just being thankful, you know, and having a heart of thankfulness. I think that, I think too, that can even, um, that happens among believers uh-huh. when pastors don't recognize, when they get too caught up in that negative mindset we were talking about before, right? When they go out to the parking lot and say they're just not getting, they're just not getting it. Mm-hmm. Or maybe that, you know, there's someone in, let's listen to this, you're on staff somewhere and you're in your car say, going to a meeting and you're saying, I have to go to one more meeting. I work up there all day long. I got to go to another meeting here tonight. I'm up at this church all day long, you know, and you can definitely get in and like, you know, fold in on yourself and start, start looking at the negative instead of that. Mm-hmm. I'm in God's house and I'm getting paid for it. Right. You know what I'm saying? I mean, I'm on staff at a church, and that's an honor to be on staff. Instead of looking at the yeah. at at your people as your sheep that you were to help as the under shepherd to shepherd, right? You start looking at them as the enemy. Yeah, mm. and that becomes like that. Then turns church into something else Ooh, you're you're put you're making your church into like a a club or an organization that doesn't even have god in it right because now you're 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 just listening to that voice of the devil saying you know they don't greed the same way you do they don't get you you know and they become the enemy that i, I think that's that's where divisiveness starts and that's when you're playing exactly into satan's hands oh yeah yeah that definitely yeah all right Number three, pray for gospel growth. The gospel is intended to advance. Jesus commissioned his disciples as missionaries, and churches have been advancing the gospel ever since. This cannot happen, however, with churches full of people unmoved by the gospel. The truth of the gospel must get down deep into the mirror of our beings, our very souls. It is a truth that must color every thought, action, and reaction. As we grow in our understanding of the gospel and its implications, we find ourselves growing in our knowledge and the application of the Bible. We become mature. Now, please understand there is a difference between knowing about the Bible and gospel growth. The Pharisees knew a lot about the written word, but they rejected the incarnate word. You have to do more than graduate with a degree in Bible trivia <laughs> to, grow, <laughs> to grow in the gospel is to have one's identity, mission, security, and hopes all built on what Christ has done. A church that is growing in the gospel is filled with people who are joyfully loving, serving, and sacrificing for one another as they demonstrate the gospel. They are also tactfully, winsomely, and zealously 
declaring the gospel to each other and the world around them. Let's pray. God, strengthen us in the gospel. Draw us deeply into the glory of Christ. Make us more and more impressed with him every day. Because cause us to grow in the gospel and walk in a manner worthy of it. Wow. That's, That's awesome. a lot to unpack in there that. There is. There's so much in there. I, th I think some of that becomes for... Listen. You and I, any the people listening to this, when you look around your church, you see too many people sitting and soaking mm -hmm. rather than standing and serving. Mm -hmm. And we, and part of growth is serving. We've got a guy in the parking lot right now that is sweeping up rocks, putting in the flower bed, making sure everything looks great for revival. He doesn't get one thin dime from this church for yeah. doing that. He does it out of a servant's heart. And this is his church. And he wants to... Uh, make sure that it's safe. He doesn't want any of our... We've had ladies that slip on the, some of those rocks because mm -hmm. they're coming out of the flower beds in the middle of the parking lot. And so he's he's taking care of his church family. And he and he loves it. And he joyfully does it. Like, if it were if someone told me, hey, you need to get out there and yeah. clean the rocks, I wouldn't be so joyful about it. But he doesn't want recognition. No. And, and um, another thing that I want to add is with that is you are never too old to serve. Don't if don't ever say, oh, I did my serving in the church when I was younger. I can sit yeah. now. That ain't it. That ain't being gospel minded. Right. And then, because then you have a younger generation. Um, like you were well, one, if you were older and mature in Christ or whatever, you should set an example for the younger generation. And but then you don't want a younger generation who's now doing all the serving to get burnt out. Yeah. And then look at y'all. And, like, you know, get mad at y'all for, like, what are they doing when I'm, like, not even able to go to a service because I'm serving three times, you know, like, for two yeah. hours on a Sunday and all that. So, like, being gospel-minded, being gospel-centered is is being filled and then going to serve. The, I think, too, part of what you're saying, I'd like to tag on to that. Uh, I talked about David last night. Um, while you stepped out to the youth to help uh, them in worship. I talked about David. David was, when he was in his palace, walking on top of the roof, He sh it's where he should have been, right? He should have been on the front lines with his army mm -hmm. and with his people, doing what he was born to do, be David, be the general, be the leader. Mm -hmm. Instead, he was at home, walking on his roof, nothing else to do, what there's an old saying what idle hands are the devil's workshop, mm -hmm. right? And so he he ends up looking over the roof, he sees a woman bathing on her roof, ends up having an affair with her. It's actually one of his best friends. This is like uh I mean, this is like Jerry Springer happening in the Bible. Right. But he's not doing something that he should be doing. So when you in a church you don't do something that you should be doing. Instead of an added a heart of worship, you have a heart of criticism. Instead of a heart that loves other people, you have a heart that slanders other people. Yeah. You have a heart that gossips against other people mm -hmm. because you've got too much time on your hands. You, you're not doing something that you should be yeah. doing. right? And when you see that coming out, that ends up being your testimony. You yeah. are 
soiling your garments when it like talks about in Revelation, you know, your garments have been soiled. I, I, I think that is so disgusting, you know, because yeah. I, I have to clean up after you, you do too, right? The dog. And we have to clean mm -hmm. and clean up after kids before. And it's it's just it's disgusting. No one wants to deal with that. Yeah. But we have too many people that are, you know, they should be out working. They should be doing something right. serving somewhere. But they're, yeah. But they're sitting. They're soaking, and that becomes negativity. That becomes mm -hmm. that opens the door to sin. Right. You can't criticize the one servant if you're not even doing it. Yeah. Right. <laughs> if you're sitting on the sidelines just waiting for. Yeah, that's like me yelling at like watching an NBA basketball game. Because if you know me, you know I love NBA basketball. That'd be me yelling at the players about what they should be doing. Yeah. And I'm sitting on my couch watching. Oh yeah, game. oh yeah. I'm, I do that football, especially <laughs> Auburn football. You know, I'm just I'm consu I'm consumed with that sometimes. And then I and I'm sitting there yelling, wondering why the coaches aren't running in my place. Right, that's my fault. That's just me. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> All right. Number four. Pray for holiness. The Apostle Paul exhorts us to be holy because God Himself is holy. 1 Peter 1, 5-16, that's where they got it from. Before the church is anything else, she is set apart to holiness. Therefore, one of the prevailing burdens for us in prayer is to walk in holiness that corresponds to the reality of being positioned, positionally set apart by God. This is a challenge because we live in the midst of a world that is not holy. It does not regard holiness as a virtue. It quite frankly mocks holiness. As a result, we need to continually pray for our church family that we would be a holy people. The Bible tells us to pursue or strive after holiness with an intense effort. This unwavering burden to reflect the divine character to one another and to the world around us must be an ongoing prayer. So we're going to pray. Holy God, make us to prize and pursue your holiness. Strengthen our burden, commitment, and endurance to strive daily after holiness in our lives. Man, that's so true. Yeah, I like that. Uh, I like what Peter said. You know, be holy because God is holy, and and we need to strive to be more like Him. I think mm -hmm. we strive sometimes for Him to be more like us. <laughs> Facts. Uh, one verse he mentioned, Hebrews twelve fourteen. He said, "Pursue peace with all people and the holiness without which no one will see the Lord." So per, I, I like the, the first part of that when it talks about pursuing that peace. Mm -hmm. And then holiness comes uh, out of that. When you, when you start putting these things into, when you start putting them into, into practice, you really see how one builds off the other. Yeah. When you're not, like, when you're doing number three, which is praying for gospel growth, when you're out there serving mm -hmm. and growing Yourselves, because you were you think okay, I'm going to go and I'm going to serve, like you know, like I mentioned, the man is serving by cleaning up the parking lot. So he's saying I'm serving the people of the of the church. But you get something like I, I guarantee you that he gets there's a blessing for him on the other side of service. There's a blessing for you on the other side of service too. And there's a there's holiness comes out of a resort of a result of that. Because when you're busy working for God, you don't have time to stir the pot. 
Right. You, you don't have time to gossip about somebody. You don't have time to uh, criticize because you're busy serving God yourself, mm-hmm. working on working on you. You know, you've heard the term, uh, stay in your lane. Right. Right. You need to stay in your lane. What has God called you to do? Too many of us are trying to yeah. work on somebody. And, <clears throat> and so when you work on holiness and the results is actually, ironically, number five. Right. I actually, um, before we go to number five, I saw a Tony Evans quote. It's like a tweet that um, he made. I don't know when, but uh, it was saying, if we want to change the world, um, Christians need to start acting like Christians. Oh, yeah. My goodness. <laughs> and I'm like, yeah, <laughs> killing it. There you go. Um, alrighty, number five. My phone locked up. Okay, there we go. <laughs> number five, pray for unity. The gospel brings people together. What's more, it brings sinful people with various backgrounds, geographic, ethnic, economic, etc., together. The gospel takes selfish people and causes them to love one another. I love that. Uh-huh. <laughs> However, we know from reading the New Testament and from experience that selfishness constantly attempts to overthrow unity. How do we combat this? We are told to preserve unity by walking in a manner that is worthy of the gospel. This is a humble, gentle, enduring and loving walk it tends toward preserving unity rather than fracturing it as long as selfishness exists we must find ourselves praying for unity we get there by asking for believers to walk this gospel walk leaving footprints of humility so the end prayer is father you are one god in three persons there is such a loving happy unity in the trinity make this church make me to feel this happiness Call us to be united in and through the Trinity so that we might be united together as a church in love. Mm. My brother just got a new vehicle. I know you're thinking, where is he going with this? So my brother just got a new vehicle. I have another friend who's got one that's not just a truck that's a little bit, it's got a few years on it, not not too many, just a couple. And both of them in their trucks, when they come to a stop, their engine turns off. And then when they push the gas, it cranks back up again. It's some kind of, you know, green energy type thing, right? Eco-friendly, right? Uh, And so to keep doing that, he said, there's a button in here I can push and that will stop happening. But I have to keep doing it every time I get into the truck. Mm. So the default is for that engine to shut off automatically. And you have to manually make a conscious effort to, to push the button to keep it from not doing that if you don't want that to happen and I'm going to be honest with you that would just aggravate me to death so uh-huh. I would absolutely want to push that button every time I got into the I got into the vehicle alright now let me tie that back into five look he the the writer up here did an awesome job of identifying the enemy of unity and that selfishness yeah right so my default John's default in his flesh is selfishness it's I, me, my, mine. I'm looking out for number one, right? Mm-hmm. And the idea is that uh, the world's going to tell you, no one else is going to care about you. you got to look out for number one, yeah. right? And so that's the idea, and that's the mindset, and that's what's almost programmed into us. But we have to consciously push the button to, to pray for unity because Christianity turns out on its head. Yeah. It's not about I, me, my, mine. It's about looking out for us. Yeah. It's about, it's not just about you and your, my four and no more, right? I've got two mm-hmm. kids and a wife oh, and a dog, so I guess that makes us five. So <laughs> anyway, but my four and no more, it's not just about us. It's about 
thy church family too. Right. And I've got to keep them in mind, right? Mm -hmm. And so it becomes outwardly focused instead of inwardly focused. I'm, I'm, I'm not feeding that, that beast that says, I, me, my, mine, or selfishness. I'm not feeding right. that anymore. We all have it. We all fight it. But God commands us to walk in unity, looking out for each other and not just yourself, right? Yeah. I, um, I worked at a church in Montgomery, and I feel like I've talked about it before, but um, my last, like, four months there, I was the interim youth minister. And um, I talked about heavily about being a community and being united in Christ. And we talked about being the body, and I went through the spiritual gifts and all that with the kids. And uh, one of our sayings was, so, like, there's a saying that's like, you do you. Like, you see something, and you're like, okay, you do you, whatever, and you walk off. Well, we turned it on its head, and we started saying, we do we. And I think we need to have more of that mindset of, like, we do we. Like, everything was we do we. You know, we, um, we, there's so many things that we were there with each other. Like, we, if somebody had a problem with somebody, let's, let's talk it out. Let's go, um, to so-and-so's concert or, you know, like, we're yeah. going to be there for each other outside of the church right. too. Yeah. And, um, and so, like, I think about that often of, like, and I've honestly taken it on of, like, um, my friend group is my small group that I lead at my house. And we're literally, like, there for each other. And I've just taken that concept of we do we of, like, I'm not going to let selfishness get in the way. I've got people, I've got brothers and sisters in Christ that I'm going to do everything to make sure that we are united in Christ. I've, uh... Uh, I have one kind of warning for number five. Look, when you try to walk and live in unity, uh, you're going to have difficult people come into your life. These are people that are not like you. And for whatever you do, they're not, they will not, you can't win them over. Right. You can't fix them. You can't, you I mean, you try, you try, you try, you try. Mm -hmm. You can't fix them. I, I talk about the guy that, the aggravating guy that come that came into like the the grill when I used to work at uh, as a host in a restaurant, and he would come in and I said, "Oh my goodness!" And yeah. and my prayer was, "God, just take him out. God, just just <laughs> balls of lightning from the sky, just destroy. You know, just come in, evaporate, whatever. Just get my problem out of my way." Mm -hmm. And then I was hit with during prayer one time. But, as I was praying for that, God said, look at him the way I look at him. Mm -hmm. Look at him through my eyes. And when I did that, I mean, all this selfishness just kind of melted away. Every, right. All this me just went melted away. And I went above, beyond. You know, you did my 200% to go out of the way like, like Sharon was talking about you mm -hmm. this morning. Yeah. Right? You went out of the way to try to get to know him. And when I did, I want a friend mm -hmm. rather than sitting there and nursing that enemy right. and just letting it build up, letting that bitterness build up in me, letting mm -hmm. whatever build up in me. So I think each of these, will, will, as, you, as you start to pray through them, it's not going to be easy and it's not going to be like, okay, well, you know, I've mixed up this recipe and now I'm done. I think it's something you're going to have to keep working on over and over again. Yeah, and I think it's like working on yourself too, like 
what are things in my heart that I need to change or God wants me to see that's beyond my selfishness or my preference or what I want, you know? How can I help the next generation come to know Christ and to grow in Him? Like, how can I reach out to the person that may be different than me in church? You know, or somebody that I hadn't really gotten a chance to know or talk to, but I've definitely talked about them. You know, like, how can... Like, what can you do to make sure that a church is unified? Because I think so many times we have it, like, um, old versus young, or um, this class versus this class, or right. whatever. Like, there's so many things that can divide us, but when we are divided, a revival truly can't happen. Your church isn't going to grow, and you have to... There's got to be a time where you start wondering, why don't we have new people to come to our church? Well, you ain't ready. Like, the yeah. Lord... Like, you're letting the enemy reign, and you think yeah. you're doing good. And it's... We have to... There has to be a time when we get off of our page, and we get on God's page. Right. And that is looking at ourselves, and then looking at... And I've, I think I've said it in the past few weeks that we've talked about revival and everything, of like, you've got to evaluate... What what are we doing that is not on God's page, and how do we get there? And if that is going um, to somebody that you have something against, do it the biblical way and go to them instead of talking about them right um, behind their back to all your friends. Like literally, like let there be reconciliation. Reconciliation is the uh, I don't know a companion to unity. You know. Yeah. I'll never forget like one of my. First revival, when I got to the ministry, had a guy come, and that that revival caused two people who were fighting, two ladies who were fighting, and they both had daughters, and, I mean, that just kind of, you know, you can fill in the blank from there, right? But when they crossed the aisle, and they buried that hatchet that they have been nursing, that grudge that they've been nursing for all that time, mm-hmm. uh Man, I knew something special was happening. I knew yeah. something there was something different. We got to stop. It's almost like we come in looking for enemies. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? We're looking for somebody just to tick us off or or find something that isn't quite perfect in the service or And listen, I, I we talked about last night too, expectation. Are you coming into church expecting God to move? Are you coming to church expecting souls to be saved are you coming to what expectations are you bringing in there mm-hmm. because a lot of times we we i mean if you're looking for a fight you're going to find one right if, if you're seeking that you're going to find it so change your expectations we keep using the term turn it on its head turn that on its head and start expecting great things from god start expecting an, an acts two church movement mm-hmm. start expecting Isles to be crossed, enemies to be uh, united, the, the church family starting to walk together again, and us to be the, the kind of people that God has called us here to be. Yeah. Absolutely, because my fear is I don't want us to go into these revival services, and once Wednesday comes, we go back to how we've always been. Yeah. I'm, I'm worried. You know, we're coming out of COVID, it seems like we we're striving so hard to get back to where we were. I don't want to be back. To where or where does God want us to be? Yeah. I can't think that this these I think going on two years now or, or, is 
is for naught, is for... Yeah. The church has typically, if you look historically, the church has grown during times of persecution. Mm-hmm. And and certainly we many churches are down like 20, 30, 40%. Do you feel persecuted? Do you feel like the devil's rising up in your body? You know, pray Christians. Go through these five steps. Share them with as many people in your church as you possibly can. Share them with the rest of your leadership. Share them with every staff member that you can get a hold of. Mm -hmm. Share them with Sunday school leaders, with small group leaders, with anybody that that you can. And and if you can start this, I mean, this is, it's like a blueprint for revival. If we only just, because it's biblically based. Mm -hmm. And that's God based. So that's where we need to be. Exactly. All right, you ready for our quotes? I am. All righty. Let me unlock my phone again. All right. While you're doing that, I'm going to do mine. Okay. All right, I'm just too, I'm just too, uh... Yeah. Listen to this. This is William Law. I love these long quotes. I don't know. We must devote not only times and places to prayer, but be everywhere in the spirit of devotion. With hearts always set towards heaven, looking up to God in all our actions and doing everything as his servants, living in the world as in a holy temple of God, and always worshiping him, though not with our lips, yet with the thankfulness of our hearts, mm-hmm. the holiness of our actions, and the pious and charitable use of all his gifts. Mm. <laughs> I love that. I love, I love the old term like pious yes. and charitable use of all his gifts. I think that's cool. If we can only get back to that, living with our hearts, a thankful, thankful hearts and holiness in our actions. Those, that's, that's awesome. William Law, yeah. this one's going out to you. All right. <laughs> All right, this is by Holly Girth, and it says, Worship is an act of war against the enemy of our hearts. Wow, that's, that's, there's a line in a little, in a, in a little yeah. in there. From one sentence, man, that's so... True, and I think that um, the enemy's not going to win if we're actively in a, I choose to worship. Yeah. With whatever, you know, we've talked about it before. Of like, you know, let worship be, you know, what you do, your response. Yeah. And then when your mind is set to worship in all things, don't let the enemy win, you know? I hear you. Are we are we now down to our songs of our the week? Songs of the week. All right. Alrighty. Um, so I have been uh, going between three different songs. Okay. And um, I literally uh, just changed. Oh my goodness. I had one, and I just changed it as, like, I was saying this. All right. Um, it was really up to the last minute, but I feel like this song, that was one of my songs, will um, go with what we were talking about today. Right. And the uh, one I was going to do, it can be next week's or something, because I'm sure I won't be over it. Um, <laughs> but it's called The Commission by Kane. And um, Kane is a um, two sisters and a brother. Their harmony is amazing. If you have not yeah. listened to Kane, I love them. 
Um, and they got like a cool um, 70s vibe. Like they always like match. Anyways, I just really love them. <laughs> but um, they have a song called The Commission. And it's basically um, them singing as if Jesus was singing to us. And um, so it says, See my hands and look at my feet. It's okay if it's hard to believe. I have faith that you will do greater things. It's my time to go, but before I leave. Go tell the world about me. I was dead, but now I live. I've got to go for a little while, but goodbye is not the end. And this is basically like from Jesus' point of view of when he's given the great commission before he ascends back into heaven. It says, Don't forget the things that I taught you. I've conquered death and I hold the keys. Where I go, you will go to someday, but there is much to do here before you leave. So the bridge and then... I mean, the course, and then the bridges, end of the journey, the end of the road, my spirit is with you wherever you go. You have a plan, and, or you have a purpose, and I have a plan. I'll make you this promise. I'll come back again, but until then. Then it's go tell the world about me, for I was dead, but now I live. I've got to go now for a little while. Hey, but goodbye is not the end. And I just love that. Like, it's, um... It's just so, I, I love songs where it's kind of like from Jesus's point of view, like singing like to us and just to be reminded, you know, that we have a commission to go tell the world. And, um, and I, their music video actually has, um, scenes from The Chosen in it, of like the music video. And like, they actually filmed it on set of The Chosen. Uh, and it was just really cool. It gave me a little chill bumps listening to it. And I'm just like, that song is how the chosen should end. Like season seven, Jesus goes up, play that song, you know? Um, but I don't know. It's just a good reminder of, um, we've got, we've got a plan and Jesus coming back again. And now more than ever, let's go tell the world who he is. Cool. Awesome. Okay. Mine is hope of the ages. By Reuben Morgan and Cody Carnes. Mm, oh yeah. Hillsong. Mm -hmm. it's, uh, it starts out, this is a verse, and you're saying, The gospel of Jesus, it's the hope of the ages, burning brighter and brighter and standing forever. The church he is building, nothing can stop it. It's a city that's shining, a light in the darkness. Mm. Nothing can stop it, is the tag. The chorus is, Though Christ was dead, now surely he's risen. Yeah, he's coming back again. And Christ will reign and triumph forever. Yay, all praise belongs to him. Yay, all praise belongs to Jesus. Second verse, his word is the answer for all generations. It will never be tainted. It will never be broken. This is our confession. This is our conviction. We believe what is written. We believe what you've spoken. The bridge is sing hallelujah. Christ is our redeemer. Shout hallelujah. Jesus holds our future. Mm -hmm. It's so cool. Because you look at the words, like I printed the lyrics out, and I'm, I'm like, where's the rest of it? Because it's not a lot of words right. to it, but the words that are on there are very, man, they're very meaningful in yeah. how they wrote this. I, I love that. This is our conviction. Confession, this is our conviction. We believe what is written. We believe what you've spoken. Mm. I mean, there's four different statements, but they're powerful statements. They're not that long, but they're still very meaningful. Absolutely. Awesome, awesome song by Hillsong. Reuben Morgan, Cody Carnes, or Cody Job, however you want to say it. <laughs> hope of the Ages. Yeah, that's good. So we hope you can find these. Hope you 
stop and listen to these, and uh, maybe you can add them to your worship set in the future. Absolutely. Well, thank you for tuning in to the worship chat. I hope that you got a lot out of it. And um, just as a reminder, revival starts with you. Right. And it starts with uh, prayer. So mm -hmm. make sure you... Uh, Make sure you're uh, you're praying for it. We want to see not just revival come to this church, but to not and not all our listeners, but to the whole world, right? Yes. We'll see you next time on the worship chat. I'm John, and I'm Eliza.